Hello, and welcome to episode 440 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm your host, Clarence Moy, and I'm joined by the other two M's, so M's. Let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Joey, we'll start with you this week. Hi, I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. I need you to do that again with a little bit more energy. Hi, I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. Back to you, Clarence. Not better. <laughs> much, much better. Megan? Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMeg. Great effort, Megan. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go kill myself. Thanks. <laughs> Joey is not actually going to kill himself. Please no. do not call the suicide hotline. <laughs> And again, my name is Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter at Clarence Moy. That's a strange way to start a podcast with a uh, <laughs> call out to the suicide prevention hotline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Just uh, balancing things out between closing out the uh, the holiday season for the films on the film circuit and then trying to remember to buy Christmas presents for my family so that they're not giftless on Christmas morning. <laughs> yeah. Christmas. I know, this 21 is such days. A, it's such a God. stressful shut time up, of Joey. year. You shut up. I bought like four things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Megan, we interrupted. No, you. I was Please just going to say it's so stressful this time of year. There's so much going on and I feel like I'm struggling keeping up with everything too. So I feel your pain. There's a lot going on. Um, so, uh, but this week, uh, we are here to talk about two more films. Last week, we talked about May, December, and Maestro. And um, this week, we're going to talk about another Netflix film, which comes out, I think, the 22nd, 22nd of December in limited release in theaters and um, on Netflix in January, which is Society of the Snow, uh, J.A. Bayona's um take on the 1972 Andes mountain crash, um, which was most prominently featured in the early 90s film Alive, which starred a very American cast. But here it stars a, uh, a more authentic cast of a Uruguayan. Am I saying that right? Ur- Urugu- so. Uruguayan yeah, I and think so. Argentine actors. And we're also going to spin the clock back a little bit for Joey and I and... Um, Talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. We can finally dive deeply into that because Megan has finally seen it in advance of all of the uh, voting that we have to do at the end of the year in advance of year-end list making. So we're going to find out whether or not Killers of the Flower Moon makes Megan's list or not. And then, of course, we'll Ooh. close with the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating <laughs> in the upcoming week. I know I'm breathlessly anticipating whether or not, what, like, what, what you think about this. So I'm very excited to hop into this conversation. Me too. All right, let's start with uh, Society of the Snow. And who wants to uh, orient us in terms of what this film is? I did a little bit up top, but a little bit more in depth. Um, I will orient us with it. So Society of the Snow is based on the true story of um, it's a Uruguayan soccer team, I believe, that was flying to um, – it was some sort of an event. Um, I can't a, remember. It was a match. Was it a match? Yeah. Santiago. Uh, Okay. And um, they're flying there and uh, they unfortunately crash and and they get stranded there for about three months. And it's about survival. I think this is one of the greatest stories like ever, like to be honest, like up there with like, if you're a religious person, it's like the Bible, then this to me. (laughs) Like, I think... um, I've, I listened to a podcast, I think it was on 2020 over the summer about the true story. And I, so I knew some of the things going into this, I knew how many times they were, you know, you think, oh, there's no hope of surviving. And, um, and, and then the, the fact that they, I mean, obviously they do survive. Some people do survive from it, um, is amazing, but, um, yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know, I was watching it thinking, Oh, this is you can see the inspiration of Yellow Jackets, especially in that um in the early sequence. Um, but um I I really like this. I really like this film. I think it was really well done. Uh, I kept thinking about Alive the whole time. Like, I can't believe they fucking had 
Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. <laughs> like, and like, oh, look, you're right, an American cast. And it's like, I kind of want to see it just to see how, because I feel like there's, this is the perfect way to do it. And um, boy, the action sequence, the plane crash sequence is amazing. The, um, I was thinking about production design too, how you really mm-hmm. know that space. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how how well done that is. The acting is good. Um, yeah, I really, I mean, enjoyed it as much as I could. I was also like, just, uh, like, just, it was so hard. It was so intense to watch. Yeah, the Alive cast includes, it was, it was very, it was like a, plays like a 1970s all-star disaster it film. It's got Ethan Hawke, Josh Hamilton, um, Oh God, who else? Uh, Eliana Douglas, Vincent Spano, just like a lot of early 90s, Josh Lucas, a lot of 1990s names in here. I think yeah. it's actually funny if you go through the cast, just naming the first name of the actor and naming the first name of the character that they're playing. <laughs> it really tells you like, yeah, they yeah. did this in the 90s. Like Ethan <laughs> played Nando. Josh <laughs> played Roberto. John played Antonio. Like it was just like, oh, okay. This is, that's how movies were made back then. Can I yeah. tell you after I watched this very quickly before we move into, I, I looked up the alive, like fun facts. And one of my favorite yeah. fun facts is the fact that Ethan Hawke refused to grow a beard and had a goatee the whole time. <laughs> oh, Oh <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> oh my god. Like, oh, okay. All right. Um also one of the characters in Alive is played by John Malkovich in the uh in the future. So Yeah, he's yeah. like the narrator, right? Or something, I think. Is he? I don't know. I've never seen the film, but um it's funny, the uh the poster for Alive has the image of all of them hugging and smiling because they don't want you to know that this is about disaster and cannibalism. <laughs> well, even though the tagline uh, always made me, it's like they was the one that was like they had to do like what they had what they had to do to survive is like something like that. Like whereas I feel like Society of the Snow is less they're interested in that, but it's not sensationalizing it in a way that I feel like the alive. I mean, that's all anybody talked about with alive was like, oh, that's the film where they eat each other. Like, but Society of the Snow, yeah. I think, is more about the survival story. Yeah, I um, I had a really interesting trajectory with this film. I did not want to watch it at all. Like, I, I just I I got the screener early, and I was just kind of forcing myself through it because I'm like, you, you just you need to see this because I, I was watching it in hopes of getting an interview with um, Michael Giacchino uh, because he does the score. It's Uh, beautiful. It is a great mm -hmm. score. Yeah, it really is. And um, I don't know, the first 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm dreading this. I'm dreading this. I'm dreading. And it, it, once you get past the crash, I think it doesn't become any less harrowing, but it, it, it all of a sudden becomes, I don't want to say it's like an Agatha Christie thing or like a, you know, 10 little Indians or something like that, or 10, I don't know what they call that anymore. And then there were none. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. that's the uh, the more socially acceptable name. Sorry. Um, and then there were none. It comes to become a version of that. It's kind of who is going to die and kind of how do they get out and you know and the you know everybody knows the story. The cannibalism aspect is as sensitively and gracefully handled as I think it's possible to do this. I can't literally imagine another way of do, of making this truthful and yet not sensationalized. I agree. And I like the fact that like, I remember on the podcast that I listened to, they talked about the fact that there were like the brothers that would go out and take care of the bodies and, and present the meat to them. So they wouldn't yeah. necessarily know who it was. And I, there were so many things that they having known the story, like my, you know, right up about it. I felt like, while wow, they really covered a lot of those details that, even the fact that like they thought that they were over Kuriko, I think, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge key point to why they were stuck there. That there was they thought they were in a different place. Um so there's a lot of um things that they kept yeah. there I thought was really well done. If you if you just go read the Wikipedia page of the crash itself, it is sort of like astonishing at how the crash even happened and the 
because of the circumstances that they explain in the movie that traveling over the Andes, they basically have to go further into a U-shape to get past like a certain certain section of mountains. Um, that is, that's crazy. Did I say Andes? Did I mean the Alps? I can't remember. No, it's the Andes. It is Andes. Right. Okay. Andes. Um, the Alps is in Switzerland. <laughs> like, Europe. Wait. <laughs> Uruguay is really far away. It was a really long plane. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say, I actually, I, I like the movie a lot. I, I think the, I've never seen a lot of either. I don't think I have, but um, the only reference point that I have to it is when Homer is trying to get Marge over her <laughs> fear of flying and they're in a video store and he picks like movies. He's like with all horrific plane crashes in it. And he's like, how about Hero? How about Landfall? How about Alive? And then they cut to Marge watching it. And he was like, no thanks to the plane. We're all still. And they all say, Alive. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Also, did the clip. No, but I, 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 I'm glad that that doesn't um, dramatize a lot of stuff. Like every every movie that you would see that has something remotely similar to this, like there would be a, there would be like, a fight about food and a fight about how everyone's tired and everyone's screaming. There'd be a fight and pe- somebody would intervene and be like, guys, no, we're trying, we're in this together. Like it doesn't do that. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and some of the, the stuff in there is uh, the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Like what would playing you, crash. What would you say? Horrific. Yeah, that, that's Avalanches. Oh, fucking horrific. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. I didn't even realize that all happened. And then like the, uh, I was like, well, even if I do get in a plane crash and I live, I'm definitely not survive on a mountain. So I kept uh, thinking yeah. about it. I'm like, oh, I totally would have told told them to eat me. But I said I would be like, please just don't touch my face. And I was telling my mom that. And she was like, I don't think they'd want your face. <laughs> well, I heard that the the one that the, I heard that the delicacy of human, if you're going to eat a human, it's the it's on your hand. It's between your like thumb um like below you know, your thumb. That's where I've heard is like, wh- what is the good part to eat? What does your Google history look like? Somebody told I, me this. I did not Google this. Who is, okay, me. well then fine. Follow up question. Who are you talking to about? One of my friends <laughs> I used to work with. We, and she was like, I need a human. <laughs> I'd try it. <laughs> uh, and I know this is going to sound really awful, but I knew the, the aspect of how they had to survive. And then I was just like, oh, they... It's not since I don't know like what they how they lived in the mountains like that. It's not like they cooked it. Right, right. They were just eating it. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> no, they right. made uh, slushies with it. Oh, they did kind of do that, right? They had yeah, the like they ice. They ate it with the ice. Yeah, yeah. that's what they basically they cut like for people who may not want to see this film, and, and again, none of this is spoilers because this is a well-documented story, but what they basically do is they, these two guys, these brothers, Megan, you were talking about, right? Brothers, right? They were brothers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They went off and and they handled the work and they don't show you any of the the preparation, what we'll say, preparation, like Yellow Jackets, like revels in the preparation. Right, um, yeah. But this doesn't. They, they just come back and then they put it on a piece of metal and then, you know, they put it out in the sun and cook it a little bit, I think. And then it's, it's in these really small pieces. So you just kind of just swallow it. I don't think they chewed it. I think they just kind of put it in with some ice and had a flesh snowball. <laughs> snow I think I really, like I said, I really like the fact that this film doesn't like sensationalize it. It's, yeah. it's a means of survival. It's what they had to do. And like, I listening to that podcast, they talked about like the, I think it was maybe Roberto, the one of those survivors who was like, he was very hurt by all of the attention on that aspect because it's like, what were we supposed to do? Yeah. There wasn't anything up there. There are no animals. There are no, like they were eating parts of the plane. Like they, they, that was the last resort for them, but they, they were so uh, strong willed to survive. And I just think, Oh, I, I just really admire this, this story and these group of people. Yeah, I mean, that's something that the film doesn't necessarily get into is kind of the the public reaction. Yeah. Um, you know, it is it, it it ends when they're found and there's a, you know, it ends on an uplifting note. But 
I guess in reality, they were heavily criticized and, and attacked for their choices. And also the other thing that I thought was so insane is that when they had, they, I don't think that the, the the, with the helicopter rescue, I believe they had to take just a few survivors at a time. So some of them had to stay up there like longer. And I remember thinking that is insane. Like that you're like, okay, who's next? Like, we'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I actually kept also just thinking the fucking trauma of, surviving an insanely horrific plane crash being stranded up there for over two months and then getting back into an aircraft any aircraft right. I, I would i would be having a panic attack the whole time right right more so than and a they, panic attack of what i am like any time i'm on a plane so. <laughs> um were you surprised by like i mean i knew i can't, couldn't remember who survived but were you surprised by the ones who ended up surviving at the end, the ones who ended up, um, you know, making the trek to, I guess you would say civilization. Was that kind of surprising to you? Like, do you mean the movie sort of gives you an idea who the focus might be? And yeah, yeah, Yeah. there's, yeah, kind of the, the one guy who dies, who you stay with, who's really weak for a really long time. And then he ends up, um, well, there's there's a yeah. there's a guy that in the very beginning that is very boisterous and kind of connecting people, and you think this oh, is yeah. going to be the main character, and then you know he doesn't even make <laughs> like day one. He gets killed in the crash, right? Oh, you're right. Oh, is it um, Gaston? Yeah. Yes. Or he just and, dies shortly there. No, he's the one. He was sucked out of the back of the plane. Yeah, right? he was sucked out of the back of the plane. Yeah, and I I was thinking of like Nando, who I the Ethan Hawke character in Alive. Um, that he the one uh, with the goatee <laughs> yes the one with the goatee you know um, famous he, uruguayan actor ethan hawk i forgot that he like i just like i said i knew some of the story but i forgot who he was in relation to all of this and i was like oh he's you know he's probably not gonna make it and then i i was like oh wow like he did make it and um yeah i i like the way the the film plays with that um idea of you know, who is going to, it, it kind of becomes a crapshoot by the end of it because it's just like, who has the will, like who's, you know, you don't know, like what's going, like those terrible avalanches, God, that was so frightening. Um, you don't know what's going to happen, I guess. No. It, it is, I think it's a much better film than uh, J.A. Bayona's earlier film, The Impossible, which tackled the uh, 2004 um, tsunami, but um, but it's similar in terms of focusing on you know what humans will do in order to survive, you know, and, and humanity yeah. and your your idea of humanity and where how humanity you know how long do you keep it when you are faced with impossible conditions? Yeah, um, it's it's one of the interesting questions that they ask. I mean the. You talked about production design. I mean, I think all the crafts are really extraordinary here. And I, and, and I think in a weaker, and I don't mean this in, to, in, in terms of damning it with faint praise, in a weaker year, this would definitely be a bigger player with crafts. I just don't see it jumping a, a ahead of some of the things that have already been out there, like Barbie, like Oppenheimer, like poor things, yeah. like uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, like, you know, uh, even Napoleon. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. Um, but I talked to the uh, VFX uh, supervisor and, you know, they had over a thousand shots, 60 to 70% of that was just, um, excuse me, a thousand shots that are impacted by VFX, 60 to 70% of which were just to create the snow wow. and the, wow. and the, the, the proper mountain range. Cause I think they filmed this in Spain. Um, but the, you know, the, the, obviously the landscape of Spain is very different than the landscape in the Indies. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I was also going to be. An, I'm sorry. sorry. No, I was just going to say very quickly. That's also going to be a very interesting interview to um, to listen to because the man had a very thick Spanish accent. Uh, <laughs> um, do you think that this is a player in the best international film? Like, I've seen it kind of bubbling up at around around six, but I think I don't know. I I wonder if if people are underestimating it. Uh, I think it. 
Yeah. I think, I actually think that the shortlists come out in about two weeks. Well, the shortlist voting is on the, I think it's it's a short window. It's like the 18th to the 20th. And then the shortlists are announced, um, I think the 21st. And I could see it. I mean, most of the categories they list 15, I think it's between 10 and 15 things. I could see, even if it doesn't get nominated, I think it's going to show up in maybe some shortlisted stuff. Like I think it I think it may get sh- shortlisted for um, uh, international and uh, visual effects. I'm trying to see what Frank predicted. Frank did that piece um, predicting what he, he predicted what he thinks is going to be on the shortlist. I was, I was on yeah, he, this was one of his two favorite um, films out oh, of really? the eight that he saw. Yeah. Which is that's why, yeah, I think it's really strong. And I think it's a story that people know and um and it's also the fact that it's like sorry no offense to <laughs> alive but it's actually like done right you know what i mean <laughs> yeah this is i agree and I, i'm glad you mentioned that because that was actually something i thought of saying earlier and, and we kind of moved on quickly this is the this is the kind of thing that you look at and you say this is where inclusivity and representation really matters right um when you look at a story like this that you know, it should never be told from an inauthentic perspective because there's so much here that you get just out of, out of, out of having these actors speaking their authentic language, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just, just interacting with each other. There's just a, it's, it's a very different way. Plus the other amazing thing about the film, I think is, um, these are all mostly newcomer actors. That's yeah. amazing to me because they're all so good. They're so good. Like pushing I, I, these young actors to like the level of trauma that they have to face in every single, every yeah. single scene um, is really remarkable. Um, and I think like this is the, I mean, a, a story that is about like, it's a well-known story. It's about survival. I'm not saying survival is like a broad theme, but I, th- I think you can kind of say that. And I think the, a lot of people can latch on to that broadness of that it's like a disaster it's a horrible disaster um a, a, a triumphant story of survival and it's based on a a true story and a lot of the survivors are al- alive so i feel like that i think a lot of people could latch onto those those aspects of it so yeah i think it, it could get in there i think it's definitely i would say it's definitely in the top five i mean you look at you know it's got taste of things um although it's Ironic that you know the taste of things would compete against uh, society of snow. Yeah. Um, zone of interest, uh, teacher's lounge, fallen leaves, maybe. Um, I think that might be a good top five. Yeah, but yeah. they always throw you a uh, a curveball in there somewhere. Maybe it'll be the missing. I would love to see that one. Get it right. All right. Um, um, yeah. Really so like this one, though. definitely seek it out when it comes to theaters uh, in a few weeks. And then, of course, on Netflix uh, in the beginning yeah. of January. And, and don't let the uh, the cannibalism thing. This is not Yellow Jackets, right? If you've seen Yellow Jackets, then you can definitely watch this. This is not gratuitous, as we have said. It is not grotesque other than, I mean, I guess there's one shot. Like, I did, I have a very dark sense of humor sometimes. I did laugh. It's small, a very tiny little inside laugh when they, when they're about to be picked up at the end. And this one guy's like staring at this big pile of bones and you know, it's going through his head is like, what do we do with this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, during that shot, I kept thinking to myself, like they're re- in the fray of them being rescued. Like when they go back to like, you know, maybe do a little investigation or to, I don't know what they did with it. I don't know what they collected or anything after that. But I wonder if after all the survivors are gone and somebody sees that, they're going to be like, what the what? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. All right. Um, let's jump to uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, Killers of the Flower Moon has been out for several months. Uh, people know what it is. I don't, I don't think we need to sort of <laughs> describe what this film is. But uh, Megan, we're going to let you start first. Since you have just seen it fresh uh, this weekend. So um, what did you think of Killers of the Flower Moon? Well, I realized I went into it not really knowing a ton about it, which 
is kind of fun. Um, other than um, I knew it took place in like the Midwest and it was about the Osage tribe. Um, I halfway, I would say the first hour or two, I really was like totally into it and um, kind of liked the aspect of, I guess like a little bit of cat and mouse, not cat and mouse, but what's going on and that juxtaposed against what Lily Gladstone um, was happening to her and her family. Um, but I do, I did see some of the, you know, the criticism of it. I kind of understand. The one thing that I kept thinking about was how I kind of wish that this was told in a different point of view, a point of view of Lily Gladstone. Um, or maybe I expected more like interaction between the community and Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and I, and kind of like that push and pull between the like white people versus the indigenous people there. And I, I didn't see that. And um, I think it's very well done. It's, it could be maybe I'd say half an hour, 45 minutes shorter, but um, I, I made me want to learn more about it, but also made me want more Lily Gladstone and, um, and, and to learn more about uh, her situation. Cause I found it very fascinating and um, yeah, I, I, that's kind of how I felt. I, I I think it's well done. It's not probably not one of my favorites of Morton Scorsese's, but um, but I think it's it's good. So you saw it again um, in preparation mm -hmm. for an interview that you did. What did you think of it in, on a second time? You know, I will admit that going into it a second time, I thought some things about. I thought I was going to like dislike it the second time because I was actually a pretty big fan of it the uh the first time that i saw it and for me it still kind of hit the same way like i was still a big fan of um i think lily gladstone is just really incredible in it um i understand the criticism of saying that why isn't it more from uh her or why isn't there more of her but i do also think if since Scorsese is directing it, I think the movie would get criticized that. Yeah, I agree with that. Too. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I, th I, I, I knew I was aware of the running time the whole time because everyone won't stop talking about it. I understand that. It didn't feel long to me. Um, I think the I was surprised by how I was not uh, inhibited by my the the thing that people have been complaining about essentially um and um that didn't bug me so i was still with it um the second time that i watched it and i think that because of that i was able to really uh hone in on some of the like crafts like the a lot of the i was interviewing somebody for the i was interviewing the costume de designer jacqueline west and the uh osage costume consultant which just went live today on awards daily um and they talked about it's funny that we don't when i was listening to it this week and transcribing it that we don't really talk a lot about the the fabric choices or the colors or anything like that but they really sort of illuminated a lot about the the history and the great historical context um so something that i was really honed in on like the costumes of the wedding sequence those costumes are gorgeous uh like the hats and the jackets um the second time watching it really made me appreciate that and um i think dicaprio is really good in it i think him De Niro, really and gladstone are all great and i don't think that i still have been as like i don't think i think i've ever seen him play a character like this and it's sort of like in an odd stupid way like i feel bad for him because he's adult but he's doing all this incredibly horrific, awful shit. That doesn't mean, like, I forgive him for that. It's just that it's just sort of, it's way more, um, it's just, I just thought it was it's really rich. I don't know. And actually, Megan, I did want to ask you, what did you think of Brendan Fraser? My client! <laughs> just screaming. I uh, was waiting for it, because I'm like, where is this motherfucker? He's not in it yet. You know, it's like, it took yeah. a, I think it was like three hours, almost three hours before he shows up um uh, it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um i i think brendan fraser is a great actor but i am not 
the last two movies he's done are not indicative of that. And I think it's funny because he's getting all this attention now when it's not really <laughs> showcasing what he can do. But um, I don't know. I thought the last, like I said, I felt like it could have been maybe two hours, two, two and a half hours and not three hours. But I wasn't a huge fan. I, I kept thinking, oh, this is what Clarence is talking about <laughs> when I was watching it. Uh, I did want to say that um, I think that Lily Gladstone has such a presence um, against Leo. Like Leo is somebody hard, I think, to share the screen with because he takes up so much of it. You know what I mean? Like he is a larger than life presence. And she really, um, by not even saying a lot, has such a strong presence in it, which is so interesting to me. And I and I, I think part of me is like, oh, I wanted more from her. Like I wanted her to say more, but she does so much by not saying a lot, which is also part of the what they say in the beginning of the film that like, you know, don't say too much to this tribe because they'll turn it against you. And she's just kind of like absorbing and taking it all in. And um, I thought she was really good. And I thought it's very rare to see somebody able to play opposite him. I guess the last one I could think of that had such a like strong presence. But that was more sexual was Margot Robbie in, in The Wolf of Wall Street. But here she's just like a strong presence in a, a threatening way, I think, to him in some way. Like, even though she doesn't obviously doesn't threaten him, but like she she's smarter than him. And it's it's obvious. I don't know. It's just it, they have such an interesting dynamic that I really loved. Yeah, it it's it's unlike anything I think I've seen in, in, in film in a very long time. Um, so unique their their dynamic uh, yeah. because it it's just not the kind of character that you see him playing or the kind of actor that he normally plays against um and i and i applaud it for that difference yeah yeah and i yeah i can't wait to see what she, uh, she does next too i'm like okay i want to see her and like i got to see that other film that she's been winning stuff for yeah i'm dying um, to see that yeah the um when I read that, that's when I heard that story about in their in the characters' first meeting, where what a line that's improved that yeah. he says like, "Oh, Ky- that means like a handsome something," and she laughs. Like the fact, like that was one of my favorite moments of the whole movie, and it's just sort of like that's improvised, and that was like actual chemistry. Like that made me very happy. And they do yes. have a chemistry too, which is so interesting too, because she's not the type that he usually gets paired up with. You're absolutely right. And um, and she's so striking herself Those in a completely eyes, unique way. Yes. Like she's just she's gorgeous. And um and I, I yeah, I love watching them together. I understand the the concern the the criticism about, and I think it's fair to call it criticism, but I understand the the criticism about maybe not including some additional time. There is, there's material that was in the book where the character, her mother was a bit more fleshed out. We learned a bit more about her. We learned a bit more about, you know, the, the, the town and some of the, um, the characters that kind of float in and out of the narrative that, you know, I, the, the best example of that, that I could state right now is there's a, a a native American or a, a, um, Native American uh, man who is part of the FBI team that comes yes. out and you're just kind of like in the film, if I had not read the book, I would not have known that that was actually a very important figure that they hired him to be that sort of person that kind of works on the inside that infiltrates. And um, it, it, they, they go into a lot more about his character in the book and he just kind of appears in the film and, and, you know, they don't necessarily give a lot of time to him. Now there is it's a great deal of screen time. And I know what the answer to everybody's concern is, which is this should have been a limited series on TV. This should have been an HBO eight part limited series. And it would have been brilliant. It would have included all of those things. You would have gotten so much more of the Osage and and so much more interaction between those Osage characters. But we've got to hold some of our best stories for film. Like we've got to have great movies. You know, we can't, we can't always defer to television because you can have a longer running time. So that's kind of why I'm like, I understand the criticism. 
but I, I still celebrate the film because I mean, if we, if we're not going to celebrate telling stories like this, then we're going to be stuck with maybe not Marvel, but you know, we're going to be stuck with just garbage. I would like though, to, uh, let people know that there are, I think, of, I don't want to say a better way of telling, I mean, I think this is a good film. I, I was thinking though about like the the movie War Pony. Do, Joey, did you ever watch it? No, I never got a screen okay. for it or anything. War Pony, um, you know, it's directed by um, Riley Riley Keough and um, co-directed by Gina Gamble, and it's also written by um, two Pine Ridge men who, and I think co-written by also Riley and Gina. But um, I think that. This that one does a really good job of kind of like I want to say like white people, white prominent figures propping up like or like kind of uplifting this community and being inclusive and telling these stories. Like I got more of a sense of what that community was like in War Pony. And again, these are completely different stories. But um, I was kind of hoping for more of of learning more about the community instead of of. Um, getting just like, yeah. okay, this is Leo's take on it. Whereas I want to recommend War Pony to everybody because War Pony is an excellent film and really you get a sense of these characters in this situation and, and the environment and everything. Um, but at the same time, you're right, Joey, like Martin Scorsese would have been criticized for trying to take on, um, you know, something a little bit different. Like, you know, if, yeah. if he would have, he's a white dude. Yeah, so it's like, but um, I do want to uh, applaud the the folks with war pony, because I think they do a really good job of that. But, um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we should uh, continue to uplift all kinds of voices like that, but you know, uh, in an ideal world, maybe somebody would give $200 million to an indigenous director to tell, you know, a complete version of the story. We just don't live in that world right now. Right. Yeah. And I would Maybe rather have the, the yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I would rather have the story out there and so that we can understand you know at least a perspective. I mean, we're not going to understand the the personal impact. We're, there's there's just so much that we're not going to be able to experience because we aren't we didn't live in that period. We don't have that that trauma, that legacy of trauma. But at least we can understand more about that story. I mean, it's like it's like this and it's the um, the Tulsa Black Wall Street bombings, yeah. you know, that happened that are actually referred to in this film. Yeah. Yeah. If we didn't have modern storytelling, we wouldn't, you know, because schools are clearly not going to tell us this stuff. So if we don't right. have modern st storytelling, no matter what perspective it comes from, at least they're opening that conversation and that dialogue. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be talking about the film or about the, no, the incident. Right. Yeah. But, um. So, looks like Lily Gladstone is uh, who? Who got Lily Gladstone in the, uh, in the fantasy Oscar poll? Is that you, Joy? Yeah, yeah. You're walking away with a lot of points there because <laughs> I think she's going to win. Like, not only is she winning actress across the board so far. I mean, it's only been a couple of groups, but she's won. I think almost all of them, if not all of them. And she's also winning most promising newcomer, which. I was having a conversation with Mark. I know it's, it's insane. I was kind of a conversation with Mark Johnson who does a, you know, award who spearheads awards dailies, uh, newcomers or, or breakthrough. Uh, list. Oh yeah. And I was talking to him about whether or not to include her and, uh, Sandra Hewler. And I was immediately of the opinion that this was her big breakthrough role, that this was nobody had ever heard of her before then, but I did not realize that for certain women, she won mm -hmm. tons yeah, of Critics did. Awards for Supporting Actors. She won LA Film Critics Supporting Actors. I didn't even remember that. So I I don't think you can call Killers of the Flower Moon her breakthrough because she's already won tons of awards for acting before. Yeah, I guess it would depend on yeah. what you would consider like breakthrough, breakthrough. Like breakthrough to the mainstream, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, to the mainstream. But um, it'll be interesting to see how far the Academy goes for this film. Um, I'm a little bit worried about DiCaprio getting in. Yeah. Uh, even though I think he's fantastic, I just, that best actor is so competitive. Um, There's a lot of love for this film. Giamatti, I feel like... Domingo. Right. Right. Adam Andrew Scott. Scott. Andrew Scott. Yeah. So, 
seven. It's, it's seven. Sorry, Megan. Yeah, there's I, I agree. There's a lot of love for this film. I feel like he's like Depp. I mean, I don't know if Depp. He's been snubbed in the past. Like you never know what's gonna like how they feel about him. But but also he's um you know been very supportive of Lily on the you know on the mm-hmm. campaign trail and been like um kind of like stepping aside and letting her get the accolades, which you know looks really good too. And um so yeah, maybe maybe that'll help in some way too. Kind of like uh Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, with uh, everything everywhere all at once. I kind of think, um, I mean, right now, I think Lily Gladstone still has this in the bag to win the Best Actress Oscar because I think anybody who watches this film, that's what you come away from it with. Yeah, like is who is her. she? Yeah. 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 I just wanted to learn more about, I was kind of obsessed with her character and wanted to like, there were so many, so many questions I had at the end and um, would have loved to like, I've learned more and maybe I'll read, read the book. Yeah. There, it, it goes into a lot more about her life after this. I, I understand why they cut it where they did, because it, the story that the end of the novel just kind of is a bit disjointed and it just kind of goes into a lot of different directions, but she actually um, legislated for a lot of improvements for mm, uh, wow. indigenous and Americans. She was, she did not like I she did die shortly after the events of this, but um, she, yeah. she was a, powerful figure um in in uh in, in in certain circles at that time um i just wanted to say my two favorite scenes of the film are sort of book ending pieces one is the initial sort of courting conversation and scene between leo and lily gladstone where yeah. they're um sitting opposite each other in the chairs and she's smoking and you know they're they're sitting at that table and they're just having a conversation and then in the end, when she comes in to talk to him during the courtroom sequence and she asks him, you know, are you lying mm-hmm. essentially? And she like, just, yeah, that just the way that those two scenes are structured very similarly to show the beginning and the ending of this relationship. I think it's just brilliant. I just, oh, that's really interesting. Um, Cause it's, it's even the camera angles are almost exactly the same. It's just a different location, different perspectives obviously it's different a lot of <laughs> a lot has passed um it's 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 that's a just a breathtaking mm. filmmaking to me I and just, we just go ahead sorry, sorry. Go ahead. i was just say we take scorsese for granted sometimes just how yeah. brilliantly and, and effortlessly he and thelma schoonmaker put together uh film yes i couldn't stop thinking about how did she do you think she didn't suspect him of his you know what he was doing to her I think she's probably so out of it that she, she, even if she did think it, she probably couldn't communicate it. I don't know. But she spent so much, yeah. Seeing what's happening to her family around her and like how, I, I just wanted, that's my biggest question. I'm like, I wanted to know how, what, what she was thinking, what she was, I mean, you're probably right. She was like, like on death's door, literally. But um, I just, yeah, I wanted to know. I'm like, oh, I just wanted to know so much. Um, but that's also kind of like, she knows who she reminds me of. It's like, she can play Mona Lisa. Like, she has that look about her <laughs> of like, you know, a smirk where you're like, what is she thinking? What is mm-hmm, in that yeah. smirk? What is mm-hmm. in that? I kept thinking she's totally got a Mona Lisa vibe going on. She smirks like that a lot to the film too. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, and a lot of this is, is this is what, this is, and this is why I'm so surprised that she is the front runner for the Oscar because Traditionally, performances like this aren't rewarded, but everything right. that she does is subtle. Everything that she does yes. is communicated through her eyes, through smiles, through a physical performance. I think that she implicitly trusted him, Ernest, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. I think she implicitly, tr- I think she knew that she was being poisoned, but I think she trusted him. I don't think she thought it was him. Oh, interesting. Uh. So she she thought that that Robert De Niro was in kind of trying to hurt her. Yeah. She thought that he didn't know that Ernest didn't know. Yes. I don't think she thought, I don't think she, she, I don't think she questioned him. I think she, she probably thought, him. yeah, she did love him. Yeah. And he loved her too. Yeah. In Is his Molly, own warped way. Was Molly the oldest sister or she was in the middle? 
I want to say she was the oldest. I know the character that uh, Kara Jade Myers plays, she was the youngest, I think. Oh, she's great, too. Maybe they're... Um, Burkhart. I, um, I, I think what's so interesting about the... Not to go back to what you were saying, Clarence, about the two scenes being similar, is that I think it's really interesting if you think about those two scenes. And in the first scene, when she they're courting each other, and she's encouraging him to be still and to listen and stuff. And in the other scene, he is still, but if he's still for a completely different reason, and she's the one who comes into the room and she's the one who leaves the room. I think that is very interesting. Um, yeah. I'm trying to see if she was the, um, trying to see if she was the oldest. I just can't, I can't. Uh... Yeah, I can't find it either. Yeah. Um, well, we'll be talking about this film a lot over the next couple of months as we head into the Oscar season. I um, I don't know if it. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know what wins Best Picture. It's. It's. I get frustrated with years like this because I want to know, but then again, I get frustrated with years like last year where it was completely <laughs> obvious that it was everything everywhere all at once in the entire year, and yeah. and people were just like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. But I really feel like there's no real frontrunner this year. And no. I don't, yeah. I don't know if this can win, but I think I had it yeah, at Yeah, that's one. true. I don't know. You're, you're right. I do think Lily Gladstone's biggest obstacle is going to be Emma Stone. Mm -hmm. Just because pe those two performances could not be any more different. One of them is very uh, observant, very cautious um in a lot of scenes you know maybe we could may, maybe you guys would agree with this i don't know what's going through molly's head um yeah. but i think i think emma stone has sag in the bag because it is an incredibly physical like actory performance so i don't think people should be discouraged if emma stone does still win stuff i think it's 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 be very interesting to just put those two performances side by side, not even in a competitive um, standpoint, but just just for observation and to like uh, compare them, because I think it's a really, uh, I, I'm assuming both of them are going to get nominated, and I think that um, they're both great. So yeah. Do you think it's a lead performance for Lily Gladstone, or do you think it's more of a supporting? I think it's a lead. See, I think it's more of a supporting. Why? I don't know. I just feel like she would have an easier time like winning if it were, because I don't know, it feels like more of a supporting performance to me. Um, but I mean, I'm fine with her being lead, but I, I see it more as a, and I know like there was some debate about that too, right? I'm not the only one who thought that, right? No, there was a lot of conversation about that, yeah. but I, I think. Yeah. I think the, I think, sort of the same way i'm not saying i'm not comparing this because everybody else is comparing this and i think it's silly but um the michelle williams last year of the fablemans i think she ran as lead because number one i think she was quote unquote the the female lead of that movie but also i think the sort of i think there was a sort of respect being paid as to saying that she was the lead like this is spielberg's mother Right. right. You show her that. I think her going as lead is also a nod at respect of Scorsese making this movie in all earnestness and sort of laying it all out there. And I think her going as lead sort of shows the respect that people should play the story, if that makes any sense. In my head, that's what it means. No, but. that makes perfect sense. And I really appreciate that. Actually, uh, that really, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I mean, it's I, also, a, it, it's a hard, it, it doesn't have like a bit, I guess her big moment is the end. But even that is not a huge, like, it's it's not a, like, I'm thinking of Emma Stone's La La Land big moment, cool. you know, where you're like, you know, this is the Oscar moment. You know, there's there's no, the big Oscar la, la, moment, la. The, the big Oscar moment is a very subtle, but like, strong moment. And I think that's, that's probably the other thing that, not, not, not a dig on the performance at all, but just something that's different, which I would love to see her win for something that's you know that's actors are going to love this too i think you're right actors are going to love both of those performances for how different they are 
Well, that's why I say this is traditionally not the kind of film that you, I mean, not the kind yeah. of performance that you see in the Oscar conversation. It's too, it's way too subtle for what, what we've been trained to expect as an Oscar right. performance is big and loud and, and, and out, you know, outspoken and, you know, I don't want to say obvious, but just, just big. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it, I think on the cynical side, I agree with Joey, but also want to add on, on the more cynical side, I think it makes sense for them to go lead with her performance because it's part of the campaign wow. strategy. This is this is a opportunity to make history as being the first Indigenous woman That's to win true. an Academy Award. And I didn't realize she's also non-binary and also has say-them pronouns. I didn't know that, too. And I think they she, also... She does she, her, they, them. Yes. Right. Yes. I think because of the size of the, the, size of the cast, too, I, I think they're trying to make a, a, a I mean it's not like a huge campaign but the the a, a lot of people are talking about the the one actress that you mentioned Clarence her name's escaping me the one who plays the younger sister Anna Tara Jade Myers yeah I think they if they put Lily Gladstone just from a campaign standpoint in supporting there's no other room for anyone else to maybe get in for a supporting oh. actress yeah, and I've heard people talking about um, the actor who plays the mother, uh, who plays oh. uh, um, Lizzie. Yeah, Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie Q. Uh, Tantu Cardinal. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know that she has enough material to. Yeah. To get in there, but um, certainly Kara Jade Myers is the bigger name. I mean, not the bigger name, but the bigger performance there for a uh, supporting bid. I, but I, I think that's unlikely still. Yeah. Yeah. But who knows? We'll see. I mean, yeah. if they really love the film, they're going to check it in multiple boxes. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, again, we'll be talking about this film for months and months to come. Um, and uh, let's jump to the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. And uh, Megan, why don't you go first? Um, catching up on still trying to see a bunch of movies. Um, uh, I would like to see poor things that comes out this week. Um, so hopefully I'll get at some point, get to see that. Um, you know, my usual survivor. I'm, I'm happy the golden bachelor is over. <laughs> um, probably won't watch the wedding. I don't know. I God Godspeed to them. Congratulations. But, um, <laughs> kind of, Kind of lost interest in, uh, with the whole, uh, I hate to say it, I fell for the Hollywood Reporter hit piece. I was like, oh, very sad. Um, so I need to see poor things. I would like to see air. I have like a whole list of things that I need to catch up on. Television-wise, Survivor, uh, The Challenge. Um, I've been still watching Fargo and A Murder at the End of the World. Um, and I guess that's about it. Joey? Uh, I feel like I'm focusing purely on movies. Um, I have a screen edge of Ferrari. I really want to see The Missing. Um, I am going to go to uh, the theater this week to see the filmed version of Waitress, the musical. Oh, I love that musical. I love that musical so much. Um, but a movie that I didn't realize I had a screener to, too, which I don't know if Megan has seen this. Megan, have you seen The Disappearance of Sheer Height? Yes, of course. Um, I, I loved it. Remember seeing the trailer for it, and I was like, "What is this?" Um, it's and I really was, good. The trailer really brought me in, and I was like, "Okay," because it's about the, um, you know, she 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 wrote a book, the Height Report, about like what was it, liberating female orgasm stuff like that, um, and then she sort of just what vanished. Um, yeah. And I want to know what happened to Sheer Height, and I want to see Blackberry, and I want to see. Yes, that's on my list too. I want to see a whole bunch of stuff. I don't understand what the limited series thing that AMC is doing with that. I don't. I think are they breaking up the movie? I don't. I don't get it. But um, yeah, they broke it, it up into three hour long segments and they added some content. Okay, that's wait. I don't which, know if you, which movie Blackberry. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's a it's a publicity campaign. I don't think it's L, Emmy eligible, but yeah. Um, yeah, they they've split it up. They made it a limited series, and they added some um, footage that was cut from the original film. Oh, 
But I mean, the original film tells the story, and and really, you go in there. I mean, it's 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 a good film. It's very well written, actually. The screenplay is pretty good. Um, you go in there for uh, Glenn Howerton's just yeah. volcanic performance. I keep saying that word every time I refer to him, but uh, uh, that's absolutely the reason to see the film. Mm. And I voted for him on my Critics' Choice of America mm. application. Ballot. Sorry, here, here, Megan, were you done? Yeah, I'm done. All right. Yeah. I I did not realize that Waitress came out this weekend because I do love that show. I've never seen the show, actually. I, I love the music. Uh, oh, but the I, show is so good. Yeah, I, it's just, it's. I don't think it ever came around here when I was cognizant of it or when I was into it. But it's, um, we need to have a conversation about these really long movies in theaters because uh, I fall asleep very <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a very long film that I recently saw that I'm not going to say which one it was, but I, I, <laughs> I texted Joey as soon as I left at it. And I was like, number one, that was really boring. Number two, I slept through 60% of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so in fairness, I did receive a screener and I will rewatch it. Um, <laughs> he got it today. I got it and today and I went to see it on Saturday. He said, oh you didn't want to see it. And he got a, I got like, a, I saw my notification. I was at work. And I remember I was literally typing something. I was typing a memo at work. And I saw that I had my phone propped up. And I did the thing that popped up. was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Clarence, mine, I was like, okay, I will stop the memo. What is this message? So, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, this is not coming out until uh, Christmas. But I will say, I think... Lily Gladstone may have some competition, not only in Emma Stone, but in uh, Fantasia Barino for The Color Purple, Ooh. which I did see this weekend. Um, I hate you. It's, uh, she, the end, she's, she brings that film home in a way that I, with a, with a production number, and actually I was quite unhappy that I had seen it at home because I wanted to be, I wanted to recreate that dream girls experience I had when I was in an audience and Jennifer Hudson finished singing that song in the middle of the film and the entire audience just burst into applause, they stood up, they cheered, they yelled, they whooped, you know, all kinds of things. And Color Purple is a kind of film that I think should be seen in an audience with a pain crowd who, who is there for the story, there for the experience and will is not afraid to applaud moments like that. I, don't, <laughs> I told Joey, um, I sat at home and watched it as God intended. <laughs> <laughs> half asleep on my sofa with my head on my pillow and my laptop six inches in front of my face. <laughs> it's a very good, it is, it is a very good film though. And she's fantastic. I think she might be a, a potential spoiler there. Um, particularly well, if the film takes off as, as much as I think it's going to. Uh, so exciting. Yes. Yeah, so I've got a lot of screeners I want to catch up on. I've got some films that I perhaps unfairly maligned that I probably should, should, uh, catch up to, um, <laughs> They shall rename, remain nameless, although we discussed one uh, in great depth last week. Um, <laughs> uh, I also have to watch... Um, I, I do this to myself every now and again, listeners, and I stumble into interviews. And I don't know how I do it. And after I'm done, and I'm like, God damn it, I did it again. And now I, I'm talking to the cinematographer for the Dungeons & Dragons movie. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, I mean, I'm sure it's very well filmed. And I have nothing against this guy whatsoever, but this is not getting nominated for Best Cinematography. I'm sorry. It's just not. There's easily 10 other candidates that are from movies that that are more in the traditional Oscar wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to watch this movie. Uh, so I'll be watching that this week. <laughs> I heard it's really good. Yeah, no, I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it's been it's on funny. my list for a while. Um I wanted to watch it when my son was home because, you know, he was kind of interested and I thought it'd be a fun kind of just a goofy father son kind of movie. But now I have to watch sure. it for homework. So there we go. <laughs> um, TV wise, I mean, I, I, I'm not watching any TV. I'm still watching. Uh, well, I, that's, that's a lie. I am finishing the limited series Archie, which is uh, starring Jason Isaacs oh, as yeah. Cary Grant. And oh, I am Jason doing Isaacs. a press junket tomorrow for that. Yay. Um, so that's uh, that should be coming out fairly soon, I think, if it hasn't already dropped. 
Um, I'm also almost done with Veep. I have three or four episodes left, and I got to tell you, season seven is ill-conceived. I, I don't know what's going on there. It's just, I, I, is there is there such a thing as too dark for this show? Like, yeah, I do think it gets really dark too. I agree. I had forgotten that um, that Amy Bruckheimer had an abortion. Really. I completely That's, forgotten I could that. not stop thinking about it. Because isn't it, what's his name? It's, what's his yeah, name? It's, it's right Dan's, right? Dan Egan's, Reed Scott. I always wanted her with Dan, too. I was kind of sad that they never, like, I thought they had a great chemistry. That always bothered me. They did. And there is a certain benefit to the show kind of subverting your expectations, particularly yeah. when it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I think this is why... I kind of struggled with it in the beginning is that I wanted her to be good. I wanted to like her because I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus, but you just can't like Selena Meyer. <laughs> she is yeah. a terrible president. She's a terrible politician and she is a terrible person. Yeah, um, that's true. But uh, th- every episode gives me a laugh out loud moment. And I'm embarrassed to say that in this particular episode that I watched recently, which is where Amy has the abortion, um, Dan goes with her because uh, he she asked him to accompany her and he gets into the room and he looks in and sees the machine that they use and he's like oh that's the blah 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 six thousand that's the that's the the Cadillac of vag suckers <laughs> oh yeah he does say that yeah <laughs> oh and I'm like oh my god <laughs> oh god and the ease with which <laughs> Reed Scott delivers that line is. So shocking that I kind of question his <laughs> his intentions. Like, is he a good person? <laughs> He's a great asshole. Yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah, he does he play is. a really good asshole. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a shame he never got recognition for that role because I think he's really, really good in it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Totally. Anyway, um, and then I did start a book. Uh, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it is called, uh, none of this is true by Lisa Jewell. Um, oh yeah, I have that. It's, uh, it's really interesting so far. Uh, Megan, I think you might like this. It's about a, a woman who is a podcaster who meets a meek kind of, um, a, a meek woman who's kind of positioning herself as a podcast subject because, she is meek and and kind of a forgettable person, but is she really crazy? That's Ooh. kind of the, the crux of it. It's really compelling so far. I haven't been able to put it down. That sounds like a Clarence and Megan book. Yes, to be honest, I think it would make a great movie where uh, Rosamund Pike plays the podcaster and Emily Mortimer plays the meek woman. Ooh, see, I should be in casting. I've got this nailed. <laughs> Talk to Jalal. <laughs> There we go. All right. Does that cover it? Yeah. Okay. Let's get the hell out of here. But before we go, just a preview of a couple of, of episodes. We've we've done our homework. We've gotten our things in alignment. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Golden Globe nominations, which come out on the 11th. So that night, we'll be talking about the Golden Globes. We'll also be doing a quick segment about Christmas films. What are our favorite uh, Christmas films or holiday films? We're looking in, in some uh, we'll be looking at holiday films uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the following week, we will be doing our top 10 list uh, for the best television in 2023. Yes, this is usually a television podcast, and we will get back to TV, um, <laughs> but not until the 18th. Um, and then uh, we are most likely going to take Christmas week off just to, to set your expectations. <laughs> we'll be mm-hmm. back um, after that briefly for a uh, a quick podcast on the week of New Year's, and then we'll be taking the uh, that next week off because at least Megan and I will be in Los Angeles. Yeah. All right. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin, and me, Clarence Moy, thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Plus, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel where we've got tons of new interviews dropping every day. And we also wish you a very pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>